you know, what is it that we could do for him when he's over there to show him that, you know, we as employees and as Bloomberg still care. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, supervisory editor and analyst at B. Riley Financial, John Everhart. John, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Darren. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, very thankful to have you on today. Where are you calling in from today? East Brunswick, New Jersey. East Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay, great. Well, uh, an icebreaker question I like asking on here, John, is if you have a first memory of leadership that you can you can think back to. Do you uh, do you remember what that was for you? Well, for me, as I think back to my junior high and high school days, I was a paper boy. So I was I did that for five years. And every day I had a commitment that I had to make it and I had to make it on time. And I had to uh, go around and collect money for it. And so there's a lot of customer interaction uh, and a lot of things I needed to get right. And I think that really, you know, is still a part of me today. And then many of those lessons that you've taken from your days as being a paper boy, you've, you've applied later on in life, it sounds like. Yeah, I think being on time is a good thing. And I really like the responsibility that I have uh, today at B. Riley. Okay, fantastic. Well, John, if you wouldn't mind, could you share a little more about your your background and um, and where you're from? Sure. I was uh, born in Iowa, and I entered into the service right after high school. So I was prior enlisted, uh, and then I went to the preparatory school with your father. And then four years at West Point, I studied chemistry there, which was a pre-med requirement, but I didn't go to medical school. I went on to uh, finance, and I received an MBA in finance from the University of Iowa. And uh, from there, I uh, was picked up by American Express and moved to uh, Minnesota and managed other people's money, you know, like the mutual fund uh, kind of uh, management. And uh, uh, from there, I stayed in the industry. Uh, I was an equity analyst for a few years. I was a convertible bond analyst for a few years. I started a hedge fund with them for $100 million, a mutual fund. So uh, all that experience plays into today. Um, my last uh, uh, firm was uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg's a very uh, fascinating uh, company because of the size of it and how successful it's been over the years. And uh, and then B. Riley, where I'm today, I edit material that's coming out of our uh, research staff. And I also am looking for, um, you know, kind of words that may be too inflammatory saying, I, I guarantee this or whatever. So that's what we're looking for to get. And then the grammar associated with it. Okay, quite a career, covered a, a lot of ground and, and did quite a number of different things, both in the military and in the, the financial world. Uh, you were enlisted before you eventually went to the academy. Uh, what? Uh, why did you join the military? And then what was your MOS as well? I joined the military because I thought I was a fantastic opportunity. And well, I needed some money for uh, college. That played a part of it. But really serving my country and uh, going 
uh, out of the house, so to speak, and uh, starting my life was uh, very encouraging. And in terms of uh, my MOS was a 71 Lima, which is an administrative specialist. And there I uh, helped soldiers get into different schools, like Ranger School, for example. And then I saw this opportunity come by for the preparatory school, and I applied, and they accepted me, and I had to take a test, and just a great time in life. I'm very fortunate. Okay, great. So was enlisted, um, wanted to, to give back and serve your country, and eventually made your um, way to the prep school, where you uh, originally met my father there uh, before heading off to West Point, um, the, the academy itself. While, uh, while at the academy, what, uh, what kind of lessons were you able to take away and, and learn about leadership that you uh, applied later on in your military career and beyond? Well, leadership's multifaceted. And what's cool about West Point is they not only just teach leadership, but they allow you to practice it. So I was a you know, platoon leader. I was a squad leader. I was responsible for uh, my squad and making sure they get what they need and the places on time. These are the resources that West Point has. And so I was also probably a leader in our classes where classes are small and especially chemistry classes. And there I did my best to, you know, help others. And I thought that that was um, a great experience as well. We, uh, something I didn't, I think, appreciate about the academy until maybe much later was that we have this access and this opportunity to interact interact with uh, these great leaders at the academy, our teachers, our TAC officers, uh, the NCOs that we're involved with. Um, did did any, um, any of those mentors at the academy have a, a great impact on you that you can remember? Well, uh, Lloyd Austin certainly did. And, you know, now he's Secretary of Defense. When he mentored me for my military bearing, so to speak, uh, I learned a lot from him from about executive presence, and he could just fill a room with his voice. And very passionate about being a, a soldier, it was like uh, that's what he was born to do. And then he was helping me trying to have opportunities for speaking engagements like this one, and you know feel comfortable about yourself and your own skin. You have a lot to offer. Uh, et cetera. And we probably had, you know, a dozen different interactions over three or four months. And it was something I think about today. What a what an opportunity to to learn from the future Secretary of Defense and of course all the other, you know, positions that he's held in the military. Uh, some maybe uh he may not think they have the executive presence to be a leader. Uh they they may not think they can stand up in front of a group of people what are things that someone can do to work on that executive presence that you that you talked about in their day-to-day life? Uh, practice as much as you possibly can. Take every opportunity. Public speaking would probably be the best thing that you could do. Take some classes in that topic. And then practice, 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 because it doesn't come natural for everybody. And um Maybe some are more extroverted than others. Not necessarily you have to be an extrovert to be a great executive presence. So, yeah, that's what um, I think is really cool. Give a practice. It, it takes it takes practice and repetition to to get comfortable with 
your voice and how you want to communicate with others. Um, and so after the military, you, uh, you later switched to the finance industry, worked on Wall Street in a number of places. What did you take from your leadership experience in the military and apply to your, your finance career? And then kind of a, a two-part question, what did you learn in the finance industry about leadership that maybe you didn't get exposed to uh, while in the military? Well, uh, about finance, uh, you know, I, I did take the initiative, which is um, a very good quality to have. And I uh, seized the opportunity when I saw it to start two new funds for American Express. And it was seeded with their money so that they really, you know, believed in me as much as I believed in them. And, um, and then what did I take from American Express that I currently have today? Well, all that experience really shows nicely on my resume for sure. And today there, you know, there are several opportunities. Uh, right now I'm getting started in a new role. So this new opportunity didn't present itself uh, to me until, you know, a th three or four months ago. So I really wanted to be a medical doctor when I grew up, and I'm probably the furthest thing from it today. And that's just the course of opportunity that's been offered to me throughout my lifetime. That initiative, which being a uh, you know army officer myself, you know you have to take the initiative uh, in, in many of our our roles, and that's something that you took forward into your your career in finance. And then, of course, all of those opportunities kind of build up uh, to create more opportunities, and, and that's something that you've. Um, you've taken advantage of over the years is using those opportunities and the knowledge and skills that you've gained to and move on to to different kind of opportunities and roles. Uh, one of those opportunities was at Bloomberg, where you founded the the military and veteran community. Could you talk a little more about that and why it is that you started and uh, what what that I guess entailed? Well, this was back in two thousand and fourteen when Afghanistan, you know, was a pretty popular place for the military to be stationed. And uh, one of my co-workers was in the reserve, and he was going to be deployed into Afghanistan. And he was very nervous about it, and he wanted to talk about it with me. And I thought, you know, what is it that we could do for him uh, when you know, when he's over there? That showing that, you know, we as employees and as Bloomberg uh, still care. And and I, I thought, okay, well, let's send some boxes of you know, stuff and books and uh, socks and food, et cetera. And that idea really took off. And we ended up having each location for Bloomberg, you know, in America uh, was having their own care package. And we uh, sent about six large boxes over to him, which he was very happy to receive. And he passed all that out to uh, his um you know, squad. So uh, from there, um, uh, it grew, and we had some guest speakers. One was General Sattler, who compared the Army's values to Bloomberg's values, and you could see the overlap. Another one was my favorite, General Caslin, who spoke about the diversity at West Point, and he said, nobody really told me about how the percentages should be. So I've looked at West Point, and then I looked at the greater army and thought that West Point should have a similar makeup to that. I thought that made a lot of sense. And then General Petraeus' um, 
dropped in for a while and he spoke to a classroom. I thought that was a great opportunity. And then um, Becky Halstead, who uh, was the first West Point woman to achieve the general rank, she was a speaker and she wrote a book that the first person you need to lead is yourself. And I thought that was uh, interesting as well. Yeah, that sounds, uh, it, it started with that initiative, like you talked about, trying to help out a fellow coworker who's going off uh, with the reserves to deploy overseas. And it, it turned into a way to connect uh, military leaders and the knowledge that they have and the experiences they have and connect that to your roles in at Bloomberg and the things that y'all do there. Uh, General Caslin was actually the superintendent during my, my time at the academy. So uh, I remember him very, very well. Um, it, and John, so if you could think about some of the other leaders in your life, maybe the, the best leaders that you've had um, during your your life and your your different careers, what uh, what did you really admire in your best leaders that you've tried to incorporate and make part of you? It's that confidence. I'm always working at it because I'm always learning new things. And I think that both of those are important, learning new things. And then as you become better at those things, then you build that confidence in yourself. Uh, and you know, I do that all the time. Continue, continue to learn, um, build those skills, and then that that confidence will come with that, and that's a confidence that you can exude, and that will go towards uh, that executive presence, like you said, like we talked about earlier. Well, uh, we have a a guiding theme here at Leaderly, and uh, I'll, I'll ask you a question, John: Is do you think that anyone can learn to lead, given uh, you know your your experience with leadership and seeing leadership in others over the years? Uh, absolutely. There's a, a little misconcept, I think, about everyone is either a leader or a follower. I I don't believe in that. I believe that good followers make great leaders and vice versa. And to be able to you know, show that servant leadership to others is uh, very important and something that was taught at West Point. Good followers can become good leaders and, and good leaders are, are also good followers, like you said. Well, we're, we're close to wrapping up here shortly, John. I uh, did want to turn it back over to you if you had any other thoughts, any other leadership advice that you, you wanted to share for the podcast. I think it's important to uh, stay in shape. I think that that is uh, part of leadership as well, and certainly something that West Point instilled in me, and I'm always working that, that every day. Stay in shape, that fitness, both physically, mentally, fitness uh, across the board. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your story with us today. All right. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Our guest today, John Everhart, and for all those out there listening, this has been the Live Leaderly Podcast. <laughs>